Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What's up, Browns fans? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. I think we have a fun a fun episode here where we're going to talk about something actually pertaining to what the Browns will look like in 2021, which is tough to do right now because we've exhausted a lot of topics. As you know, when you do a daily podcast, the topics get a little tough, which is why we have uh, mapped out other AFC contenders and we've looked at the division We've done Chalk Talk sessions, which we had to cancel this week's Chalk Talk. We will get to that next week. We'll start looking at wide receiver routes and popular route concepts. And then uh, we will start next week as well our position-by-position breakdown of where uh, the Browns are going into training camp. Just looking ahead at uh, depth and who should be potentially breakout guys at every position, who's on the fringe, who could be cut, who could be surprised, roster keeps, that stuff. We'll do a series leading up to training camp. Um, So I want to remind everybody real quick, we're going to Twitch. You should follow the Twitch. I am going to post once again the link, direct link to our Twitch page in the bio of this podcast. So please go to Twitch and become a subscriber. It's very easy. Create an account. We're going to talk about the ridiculous advantages due to Twitch's, uh, well, not Twitch, but Amazon's agreement with the NFL. There's some really cool advantages for that, but we think it's a better live content platform and we have a ton of fun stuff. So if you haven't done so, please go join Twitch and follow our channel. So, you know, when we go live at the end of the month, right around training camp, before we get to our guest, I want to talk about Mike Tannenbaum. You don't have to pay attention to this guy. I, I'm, I mean, what is it? It's July 8th. I'm recording this. You, you will hear over the next three weeks and probably into the beginning of training camp, nonstop takes on Baker Mayfield. It is ever since Baker's been at Oklahoma, it has generated clicks, whether it was the fiery crotch grab at Kansas or, or, or horns down at the wrong time or whatever into his first year in the NFL and the arrogance and the Hugh Jackson stuff. And second year, everyone wanted to bury him. It will always be a place that will generate clicks and largely driven by Browns fans. You don't have to get involved. It's hard when you see idiots say idiot stuff, but I will tell you this. You can't win an argument with stupid. I've tried it. I've, I've really tried it. And very often do you hear the stupid person say, you know what? You're right. Because stupid usually doesn't have the self-awareness to say, you know, I don't really have expertise in this area, so I'm going to sit this one out. That doesn't happen very often. So you're wasting your time. The same way Dan Orlovsky's wasting his time with Mike Tannenbaum. Look, at, look, Mike Tannenbaum's done some nice things in the NFL. He knows the right people. But you can run a front office and still be pretty dumb. And I think that the, the take Tannenbaum is making, I would hope off the air he's trying to generate volume of clicks and, and and engagement that's a huge part of the game right now for some of these places we fall in a trap to it you don't have to is my point dan orlovsky probably had to i guess because he's going on the show but you don't have to so you know don't engage with it because it's dumb the ba- trust me one way or another hear me out the baker mayfield situation is going to work itself out they're either going to sign him in camp 
leading up to it, preseason, regular season, or they're just going to wait through the year and both sides will sit down at the end of the year. He's going to have a nice year. Whether they sign him before or after the season cannot be changed by our discussions and whether morons are saying they shouldn't sign. I can promise you Andrew Barry is not calling Mike Tannenbaum for his opinion on this situation. So rest at peace knowing that you're not going to have Mike Tannenbaum influencing Andrew Barry on this topic or any other topic, believe me. So don't engage. You don't have to. We, we all know the truth here. We all watch it. Not enough people have. The Browns keep winning games. They keep going to playoff games. It will work itself out. Believe me. That's the end of our offensive discussion today. I want to talk defense because so many things have been brought up about the personnel on defense. And I want to try to paint a picture for you guys about this personnel, what it can look like on the field together. You know, what what are the different personnel packages? Which, a reminder, we have done a chalk talk on the different personnel packages and positions that come along with those personnel packages. It's on YouTube. Go find it if you want to learn about it. It's pretty easy stuff. John Stephenson joins. He's great at it. He runs a defense at the high school level and is very smart. Reads a ton of stuff. He knows defense. And he has a good feel for what the Browns like to do. Go check it out. We're going to bring on good friend. He's usually on weekly. Sometimes schedules don't allow. But he's here tonight, John Colosimo, my good friend. How are you, brother? I'm doing good, Jake. Excited to talk about some defense. I think that's probably one of the more exciting parts about thinking about the 2021 Browns just because there's so much new and exciting things, so many new toys for Woods to work with. So I'm happy to be talking defense. Well, let's do it. We're going to go through each personnel package, and we're going to talk about Who's on the field? So what I'm going to do is throw my guys out here, okay? John, I'm going to throw the group. I wrote this all up, like, you know, like a, like a kid in study hall who's bored and just wants to draw this stuff up. I wrote it up. Um, and you could tell me what you think. Typically in base, the Browns play an under front. They're going to bring a linebacker on the field. Uh, they're going to play 4-3. They're going to bring that linebacker up off the edge and have him in run support to the run strength. So... This is, again, just a rough general outline of some of their guys in certain positions. You're going to have Miles, Malik, Jackson, Andrew Billings, Jadevian Clowney again. Somebody could win out that defensive tackle job. We don't know. And then at linebacker on, you know, and base will typically be an early down personnel package. And it could be a third and short, a fourth and short, something like that. You could want to match the team plays, put, you know, two tight ends on the field, three tight ends, or if they put a fullback in a tight end, you're going to want to match that. So Walker will probably be your Mike. You're going to have Phillips at Will and Taki Taki at Sam. Corner, Greedy and Ward. Could be Newsom, could beat out Greedy. We know that. And then at safety, JJ, uh, John Johnson, and then and then Ronnie. Could be Grant Dell, but if he beats him out. So just a loose, a loose outline. And then if they did go 3-3-5, John, before I let you respond, 3-3-5, uh, if they did want to get creative out of a out of a three-linebacker structure, they would take a defensive lineman off the field. My guess would be Billings uh, in this scenario, and bring on an extra player. Now, if it's if it's from a base personnel in general, I would suspect they'd bring another linebacker on the field, and that's where JOK would be would be brought in. Do you have any debates about that, John? Where you would put somebody else in there, or does that sound about right to you? If you were going three three five, I don't have a debate there. Um, I do wonder. You know, if in today's NFL, at what point does truly your first and ten become a nickel base? 
And so I have questions there. And I also would just make one other comment in that I'm really, really not sure that Phillips is going to be able to hold off JOK. I know that there's a lot of people excited about it. I never really saw um, a ton of signs. I mean, obviously, he's a, he's a fantastic athlete. I'm not sure I see the signs that say – I feel like linebacker can be such a mental position where, you know, the guys that really kind of have it figured out in their head are, are the ones that see the field, and, and it's maybe less a athletic – um, position than, than maybe some other places. And I, I really just am not sure that that Phillips is going to be able to keep JOK off the field. But that's just my personal one. And I know there's a lot of people from, you know, Jeff Lloyd, uh, lots of people on my Twitter feed who I manicure very closely um, who would not agree with me there. But that that's where I'm at. It, you you could be spot on. I I'm not knocking these guys in. I'm just kind of outlining it. I think you could be you could be right. And JOK could be Phillips, and, and they could decide that. Hey man, Grant Delpit's a better fit in base. I I think what I mean by base is matching heavier personnel. So it, their nickel will probably be the one they'll be in more often than not. That hell, I would hope most teams don't play heavy personnel packages all the time. So you're right about that. That, that general structure, though, when they want to match heavy personnel groupings, I guess it is air quotes base, although nickel would be your base. If you want to just call it the 4-3 stuff, uh, that's that's uh, that's the group I think that, that you could see. Now is where you start to have some fun. Okay, Nickel, if they go nickel, you're going to take your Sam off the field because Taki is, he is not a pass defense guy. I, just not a guy I want on the field when teams are going to try to target him. Go back and watch the Dallas game last year. If you want to see a young man just get lost in space, he he can't do it consistently. And um, I think he would tell you that's an area he's trying to get better. I thought he made strides by the end of the year, but I still don't want him on the field. There's better coverage linebackers. If you take him off, generally what you would do, take him off and put on Hill. Uh, you would put on Troy Hill. Or if you wanted to go big nickel, you would put on maybe Grant Delpit and slide Ronnie Harrison down. Um, and then if you wanted to go three three five. You could again take Billings off the field. You could add JOK uh, as your as your fourth player, who would be your overhang defender, and go from that. So if you just went nickel and you wanted to have, you know, technically be a three four four, whatever, uh, whatever you want to label, whatever you want to label JOK there. But if you wanted to go nickel and play a three man front and bring on an extra backer. Uh, slash safety hybrid whatever that that could be whatever you want it to be in that situation if it's a big nickel and you want to bring on you know you want to bring on uh, a safety like delpit or if you if you want to bring on a, a hybrid type there i think you could bring on jok and then your linebacker group would be jok phillips and actually i i think john they might take phillips off the field i i sorry walker off the field and anthony walker off the field and any obvious passing situation the Colts did that I think it'd probably be wise so you'd see something like a linebacker group if you went 3-3-5 I think a pretty good coverage linebacker group would be Phillips Malcolm Smith and JOK and then you could bring on the extra DB whether you wanted it to be a bigger guy like a safety or you wanted it to be a uh, a third corner what do you think about that I think those three and third down nickel pass situations would be nice yeah, I think this is a real fun one, and and I think it's going to be fun to just watch how Woods kind of figures this out because 
there are those options there. You can play JOK in an overhang role. You can play uh, Delpit or Harrison in that same spot, or you can you go with Troy Hill. So, you know, he's got a lot to play with there, and it'll be interesting to see how good he is at, at matching that personnel correctly to do that nickel. And to your point, you know, I uh, I think that I think if the Browns like if you if you gave him some truth serum and you ask them for their most optimistic vision of say your nickel defense in um in 20 maybe 2022 maybe even not this year i think they'd be talking about their two linebackers being jok and phillips uh to maximize speed and athleticism in this role and then be able to roll down a third safety or troy hill for that so whether or not they'll be able to do it i think it's one of the more fascinating chess piece chess matches that i think um you'll get to see especially if we spend say you know, 55 or 60 percent of our time in that nickel spot. It'll be really fascinating to see how many different versions of that Joe Woods uses and how he um, how he does in real time with with deciding how to put that on the field. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For sure. And we should address, too, if they do go three... I mean, I guess if it's like if you want to go nickel in sort of neutral situations or, uh, I guess, out of your out of your base if you wanted to go a 3-3, three, three, uh, or, or I guess out of base you could do more maybe a 3-4-4, four, four, but if you wanted to do that, your three-man would probably keep a bigger body and a nose. But when I go looking at dime, which is what we're going to get to here in a second... I, you know, there's two variations of dime. There's four one six and a three two six, which I prefer three two six. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna play a bunch of these speedy guys, play them. I I personally, in any obvious passing situations, maybe you get a negative play on first down. It's second and twelve, or it's third and eight plus pass situations, seven plus whatever that that sweet spot analytic number is. I would probably go miles. Put Clowney at nose if he wants to stand up. Let him get crazy and stand up, and then put Tack at the other side. What do you think of that? I think that's probably their best pass rush group from a three man perspective. Yeah, I, I, I'm in agreement there with three man. Now, I would like to see whether or not they could put some pressure on that. You know, they, my only worry is that with when you go to that three man, can can they get some pressure? And I guess really, you know, that goes into how well you can cover, right? Because those guys can certainly rush the passer. And I think that's more about 
you know, can you give those guys like a full extra second? In which case, that's I think that's where your three man becomes pretty um, formidable there. If uh, if the secondary that you put out there, max coverage gives you a second extra to get to the quarterback, I think we can see those pressures. But yeah, no, I have no arguments as to that being our best three man. In my mind, I think if you go four one six, you keep your traditional four. Maybe you slide Clowney inside and you you keep. Uh, uh, Malik out on the field. Let let Jackson be your fourth deep down lineman. Uh, a little bit more pass rush threat there. Whoever you know, if Tommy Togiai comes out and blows it out of the water, or whoever your best pass rush D tackle, you keep one linebacker on the field. Whoever wins that role could be JOK, could be Phillips, could be Malcolm Smith that they like a lot. I, mean, I thought he was really solid in coverage last year. The, the the fun. There's two defenses though that draw my eye. Okay. There's the three two six out of dime, and then there's your quarter where you get even crazier and you go three one seven. Okay, so if you go three two six, you have that three man front that I think is fun, and it does speak your your point there, John. Does speak to the coverage debate, which is to me, coverage helps your guys up front. I need cover guys, and I think they finally have enough cover guys to give a three man front a real opportunity. So, uh, you go that three-man front in the three-two-six. You could have Phillips and JOK, or if you wanted to go Phillips and, or sorry, take Phillips off and you like Malcolm Smith more, whatever. You have Malcolm Smith, JOK, and then you get your DBs. So you're going to have your two outside corners. Then you're going to have two inside guys. Now that inside guy can be a safety corner like Hill and uh, and, and Ronnie, or it could be, hey, we want to bump Newsom inside and play greedy outside, and then we'll have two safeties. That's a fun personnel grouping, like really, really fun. Now, what could even get more fun is if you go to quarter, okay, and you play one linebacker. In my opinion, JOK would be so fun in that role. So you put JOK as your one linebacker, and then you wanted to slip a guy down who's comfortable playing in the box a little bit, creep him, John Johnson, very comfortable doing that. So you have seven DBs on the field, Ward, Greedy, Newsom, Hill, Harrison, John Johnson, and Delpit. You have Ronnie... Delpit playing split, high coverage, letting JJ and uh, JOK kind of hover in the middle, spy, have one of them lurk and maybe one play man and get and get crazy. I think that that quarter group with the three man we've talked about is one that really catches my eye. So you'd have Miles, Clowney over the nose, Tack, JOK's your one backer, and then again, Ward, Greedy, Newsom, Hill, Harrison. JJ and Delpit playing whatever variation you guys you want those guys to play. That group to me, when I play Baltimore, is like, okay, man, that's a group that could really give Baltimore some issues. Especially if you're if your early down stuff can get them into any sort of predictable passing situation. Do you smell them stepping in there? <laughs> yeah, I love it. And uh, you know what's uh what's great about that package too, um, is the different angles that you can come with blitzes if you wanted to oh god yeah um, you know uh I'm, I'm thinking about the breakdown that you had at jok with the euro step uh you know i'm thinking about denzel ward maybe coming in on a corner blitz um you know you can do so many things there i actually probably love it even more against uh buffalo than i do against um uh jackson just because there's a little less um slipperiness there but i love it in both places and there's just so much creativity like you get to third and long uh with that group and man that just the possibilities are really endless it's that it's that whole thing where 
you know, they talk about the answer that uh, Stefanski gave about why he runs the heavy personnel, and it's just to, to eliminate these types of uh, of fun scenarios where they can just do whatever the hell they want. Um, and, uh, man, the, that could be a ton of fun. And we just haven't seen that. We, you know, I mean, you go back to 99, and, and this team has never had the ability to – to do these things. I don't care what roster you want to bring up. They just haven't had the types of skill sets to be able to imagine these things. I'm just, yeah, I, you're spot on. I, I think, I think of like last year, what, what gave the Browns fits is that they couldn't cover people when they got leads. And this, this group can cover. I mean, I, they're just so drastically better. If you, if you go back and look who they're putting on the field, Kevin Johnson, Carl Joseph, Sheldrick Redwine, uh, yeah, our boy uh, Anderson Deho. I, I just like MJ. Yeah, I, it's such a, and I think it's a big part, John, of what people are glossing over with why the Browns will be better. It's so much different. It's so much different, and I still think I still think they need to. I don't know, man. I really I go back and forth. I just would love them to add some fringe Gary on Conley type corner. I just would love for them to do that. But even just looking at this on paper, if everybody comes in healthy and listen, I, I sent a potential topic to you tonight, which is does, does the Cleveland Browns training staff have more pressure on them than any training staff in the entire NFL? I think they might. I really do. I really think they might. But when you just look at like these two, the, if as often as they can get in, the three two six dime looking quarter where they have JOK and in those seven DBs going crazy, I actually think it could be a time where we look at the Browns defense and we're like, these guys got opponents truly flustered. Like they really have them flustered about what they're doing, where they're blitzing from. Any third and third and pass situation is like, I feel really good about the Browns defense. And if you can get people to cover, how many times do we watch Miles? come a step close of making a sack and just you can't get there because they don't have people that they feel comfortable getting in the face of receivers to take away those now throws for quarterbacks and then you add Clowney like some of the best work Clowney's done is over the a gaps going crazy and if you can let him go crazy in there and oh yeah we're just going to send tack and let him go free on the other side I just think it could get fun and they could like you said they could manipulate stuff they could walk guys down into gaps to make pressure sorry make protection turn one way or the other like hey we really want to get miles as free up on this tackle as we can let's uh let's send let's walk up three off the left side and get a hot call so that they're going to iso that backside like that's the stuff that's great and I think with this group again I would love one more minor addition but even with this, just this group on paper and get depth guys like you know Sheldrick's not a bad depth guy. Accounts, I think a guy I prefer over him as a depth guy. MJ Stewart just kind of hovering around, you know. I think I think there's there's enough. I don't know want to say enough, but there's some fringe guys that can be okay given that the players around them are drastically better. So it's enough to feel really excited about, right? Oh yeah, and, and you know, I've been saying too that these secondary additions and, and that ability to cover that you're talking about, this is what I feel like we've been searching for years. Everybody kind of focuses on that running mate on the defensive line, um, you know, bringing an OV or trying to find, you know, getting clowny or trying to find that opposite edge. I think what finally unlocks, you know, the 
best season of Miles' career is this secondary. I really do. I think, you know, I, I had made the comment on uh, on Twitter earlier this week. I feel like Miles, and you just said it a, a little bit ago, Miles, I think, leads the league since 2017 in, you know, 0.2 seconds away from a sack. <laughs> and, you know, if I think the secondary can give him that 0.2 seconds. And um, that might be the difference between, you know, 13, 14, 15 sacks and pushing 20. Yeah, he, they'll have every opportunity to to get home in, in, in different ways. And, like, I think a huge thing that won't be talked about enough or won't be studied enough, maybe I'll try to do it this year, is, is how they'll end up in those situations manipulating uh, protection to get the right matchups. Because that's a huge thing that people don't talk about enough is how you can – you can send enough guys pre-snap to make it look like you're blitzing to get a hot call and a slide, a Roger or Louie call to to isolate. I think that can be a fun situation for them. And yeah, I think I think we have uh, the personnel to finally see a Browns defense that is a, a legitimate top ten group. And again, we'll see if they if they hold up with the pressure with this medical staff. I hope it I hope it works out. But again, it's it's on paper. A ton of fun. So if you have questions about any of this stuff, I'm going to try to write this up tonight, put it in an article form to kind of go along. And maybe this will be out when you're up listening to this tomorrow uh, to go along with this so that you can see it. Because I think it when you put it on paper and you look at it, you're like, oh, yeah, I, 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 I see it. These guys look uh, these guys look drastically improved. And some of these personnel packages can be a ton of fun. We're going to shift, though. We're going to talk about one little parting topic. Just a fun question that John posed that I think we should answer. And I'm going to let him hit lead off here. I don't know. It's kind of a random question, but it's just kind of fun to think about now that the Browns are really good. Going back to your time when the Browns were really bad, what is like the single most embarrassing Browns moment in your lifetime that you can recall? You can't say the move because that's in a world of its own. But, you know, if you think back to your time watching them growing up, John, your answer for what is the single most embarrassing moment? So I'm going to start with what isn't, but it leads into what is. And uh, for me, the, the single most embarrassing moment, like the single most embarrassing play I've seen from a player, uh, started with Brandon Whedon making this awful underhanded side, <laughs> you know, shuffle pass that was intercepted by Detroit. And uh, it was one of the worst plays I've ever seen. <laughs> and, uh that was bad. It's, the Lions, yeah, right? So bad. Yes, that was against the Lions. Yeah. That was not the play, though. No. That, that, the play was the next week when he doubled down and did it again. <laughs> and it wasn't as bad looking and it wasn't as impactful, you know, but the fact that you had this, you know, Rip Van Winkle of a quarterback who made this play, got excoriated for it. And then he went back the next week against Green Bay and did it again. And it didn't get picked, but he did it again. And he doubled down. And I'm pretty sure he tripled down in the postgame conference when attacked for it. That, to me, was so embarrassing, so terrible. Um, You know, I mean, Brandon Wheaton has so many of these. I mean, he got tackled by an American flag, but... Um, I think that that was so bad, I, and I, I will always remember that. And a lot of people will forget that because it's just an incomplete pass. It's just yeah. an incomplete pass. Um, but I remember it being like, how the F could you do that the next week? 
you complete asshole. But anyway, so that that is my most embarrassing play. He could be a he 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 could be a sneaky asshole too. Um, yeah, I don't. I, my, I kudos to you. My my mind doesn't get really crazy. Um with this so you you had a good one there that is not on the beaten path of famous ones i mean it's really hard to gloss over Dwayne rudd i mean sure the the part about Dwayne rudd is yeah it's it's terribly embarrassing it's one of the worst ways i've ever seen a team lose a game not because like trent green gets out of the sack and throws a 30 yard 40 yard bomb alignment john tate i I, like he he run he takes off down the sideline it's the most random thing ever and it was the start of when i could remember thinking like okay these guys just find ways to lose games i know they made the playoffs that year i get it but oh these guys just find ways like that's when i remember as a young younger young you know i wasn't that young at that time i was in middle school but like that's when it dawned on me post return like this is okay this is what it is um so that one's popular but i think what i would go with because as an adult with this franchise and where it was at the time is the Corey coleman drop because it although we knew the plan we knew it was going to be a lot of losing putting yourself in owen 16 is is something you still want to avoid you could still get the first pick if you had won one game and it didn't the thing that's the most embarrassing is the drop was terrible they were actually finally this this Deshaun Kaiser led miserable offense we watched all year had some breakout plays in that game Rashard Higgins catches a slant from the slot and it's like a 60 yard touchdown they looked relatively normal now the Steelers were resting everybody if you recall as they typically do in week 17 or whatever it was I think it was week 17 um the ball you know, it gets dropped and it's a terrible drop and, and, and everybody sits there and feels gross about it. But we would have felt so much better if that loss had meant Hugh Jackson was fired. He didn't get fired. So it makes it an even more embarrassing moment, in my opinion, that this happened, this moment of embarrassment happened when Owen 16 finally like lands in your lap the second he drops it and Deshaun makes that exasperated head back in the air mo- moment and like... I remember thinking at the time, like, okay, finally Hugh's going to get fired, fresh start, first pick, fourth pick, whatever. We got a real thing here, and then they didn't fire him. And it becomes all the more embarrassing to me. So, lame answer, maybe, but that is a moment where I felt like I was the most embarrassed to be somebody. At that time, I was writing on them. So I was like, this is terribly embarrassing, man. No. Uh, hold on here for a second, because I'm trying to, uh, maybe in my head I have this figured wrong. I thought that we were neck and neck with like San Francisco and that that drop actually delivered Miles Garrett instead of Mitch Trubisky to the Browns. Am I remembering that wrong? No, they went 1-15 in 15 that year. They, they got Miles. So they went one in fifteen in in twenty sixteen that led to the twenty seventeen miles pick, but that 20... wasn't the drop. Uh, no, the, that was in twenty seventeen that, that sealed the Owens. Remember they beat San Diego on that field goal in sixteen. That's to, right. Uh, yeah. To win one game. Yeah, man, that was that was the seal of an un uh, a winless season, and the parade started up. The nonsense parade started, and <laughs> it 
It was a terrible <laughs> moment, bro. We shouldn't have. Why do we end a fun podcast this way? We're gluttons for pain. That's what we are. It's terrible. It's terrible. John, you're on the road, man. You're doing this probably from a hotel. I, I think the listeners will appreciate what I think was for about 26 minutes a pretty fun podcast, my friend. Thanks, man. You got it, Jake, man. Always a good time. Okay, that's a wrap for today. Again, check out Twitch. The Browns are on Twitch. Uh, well, I take that back. The Browns aren't on Twitch, but we are on Twitch, the OBR, who is writing about your Cleveland Browns. So you need to go become a subscriber. So when we go live, you know it, and you're a part of the community. We're going to have a Discord coming soon, if you know what that is. Cool. If you don't, you'll find out. It's going to be exciting. Thanks again to John for joining us, taking a moment away on his busy schedule. He's a time zone behind me, so I know he's traveling, doing something. Um, so thanks to him again. If you have questions, again, about these defensive personnel groupings, let me know. Hit up the Ask the Insider section at the OBR. DM me on Twitter, whatever. We'll talk about it. This was fun. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Keep sharing this podcast. It's doing well despite this time of year. We'll have more fun, look-ahead content coming next week. I appreciate you guys joining us this week. Maybe we'll get a weekend bonus episode. I don't know. We'll see what happens. If we do, great. If we don't, we'll check in next week. And until we have a chance to talk again, and as usual, go Browns. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.